Welcome to the Compassionate Capitalist Radio Show with host Karen Rands. A compassionate capitalist is someone who invests their money into entrepreneur endeavors to bring innovation to the market and create wealth for all those involved. Karen shares insights and best practices for entrepreneurs to succeed and investors to share in that success without all the risks. And now... Welcome to the Compassionate Capitalist podcast and video for those that are watching on YouTube. Uh, you know, one of the things that we always, you know, are trying to do with this show, our whole goal is to create wealth through successful entrepreneurism and those investors that take that ride with those successful entrepreneurs. And a huge part of being a successful business is all about sales. And we cover that topic occasionally, talk about tools, talk about best practices, all of those kind of things that investors and entrepreneurs, CEOs need to, to think about and be aware of so that they can either make sure that the company, when it's starting out, gets on the first, the right track from the beginning, or if a company gets stuck and doesn't seem to be having the, the right measurements and meeting the goals and the objectives of the sales team, what can they do that do differently or what kind can they do better to be more efficient? And, uh, and right now we're dealing with this whole new, new normal as to how we go about selling. Cause a lot has changed in the last 13 months, let's say. And so my guest today, Chris Beal, he is the CEO of connect and sell, which we're going to talk about um, has some unique insights besides the fact that he has broad industry knowledge of how to create, and we'll talk some about that, how to create successful companies, get them from start to the finish line. Uh, he's uh, uh, been valued by uh, venture capitalists and angel investors as, as taking strategic roles in companies. And so we're, and, uh, and he's, we're going to talk about selling in the new normal and, and his particular company and how they solve a problem for companies that are, are having to navigate that. So first of all, let me say welcome to Chris. Hello. How are you today? I'm doing great today, Karen. Great to be on. <laughs> okay. So let me give you a little bit of an intro for those, uh, our listeners. So they kind of know. Uh, so Chris has spent 35 years working with technology companies from startup through all the stages and many different hats from working in product launch, commercialization, founding companies, being a chief technology officer to head of sales, and then joining Connect and Sell 10 years ago as the chief product officer and now as the CEO. And he is also the host of a popular podcast called Market Dominance Guys, which you can find out at marketdominanceguys.com. And of course, we'll, I'll give you this website again, but Connect and Sell is pretty much straight up, connectandcell.com. So welcome, Chris, again, officially, now that I've introduced you. <laughs> Fantastic. It's always good to know that I did something along the way. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. Right. So first, I have to, uh, this came up in my mind. So I was looking at your bio, and I see that you studied physics in college in Arizona. How did you go from getting a degree in physics to launching and starting tech companies or being the go-to guy for sales and management for, you know, a $20 million company out of Silicon Valley? Yeah, sort of two, two paths. One is that my first wife had a miscarriage right after graduating from, from the university. And we wanted to move to another state and needed to pay those medical bills. 
And so the only job I could get in one day was selling door to door. So I was, I learned to sell fuller brush and became, I think maybe the top fuller brush man in Arizona in about two weeks. I love those um, stories. I applied sort of, yeah, well, you mean, know, the, selling doors the, fuller brush stories, the door to door stuff. I always love to hear when the, the roots of successful people that somehow had a door to door story in their background. I think door to door is like the most marvelous thing in the world, except maybe just raw cold calling, you know, on the <laughs> phone, that could be better. I was so afraid of the phone that you couldn't have gotten me near one of them things, but I could knock on a door and say, hi, I'm Chris Beal. I'm your new Fuller Brush man. I don't know what Fuller Brush is. No, I would say, I'm sorry. You probably don't know what Fuller Brush is. I sure don't. And then I would just stand there <laughs> and, they would, and they would always ask this question. Well, how can I help you? And I'd say, you know, there's a rumor that we have some products that are great around the home that you can't buy in stores. I have no idea if this is true, but if I went and researched some, some of our products and found one or two that I really think could change your life, can I come back and share them with you? Everybody said yes. And so what I learned out of that was the top of the funnel is everything and don't overreach. Don't overreach. Don't go for more than you can get on that particular bite. So then the other side was, you know, getting jobs in physics, not too easy. Um, <laughs> I was offered a few interesting possibilities, but they were in strange places where we didn't want to move. And so I went into the software business because like Willie Sutton said, that's where the money is. He said it about robbing banks. Uh, it was obvious to me that software was going to become the biggest thing in the world. Just look at the math. And so I just got a job at NCR as just a kind of a grunt support sort of person but I had no, no boss. And it enabled me to see what it was like to start something. It was a startup within NCR and make it go with no, no real boss, no help, just 10 states that I had a, a mission. Okay. So good. So, you know, we were, I mentioned it at the beginning, sort of this new normal, you know, I've done a couple of shows on the Compassionate Capitalist podcast on workforce of tomorrow and, all of this. And I think, you know, there's uh, people are still sort of scratching the head, figuring things out. But one thing that we do know for sure is that people are selling and working from home and doing their sales jobs working from home. So as you have, you know, navigated this different kind of uh, landscape and, and within your own podcast, talk about some of the challenges that you see entrepreneurs or companies faced with this idea of working from home with their you know, you got to be self-motivated and, and, you know, just some, some of the challenges when uh, you don't have the opportunity to go and wine and dine a customer and, you know, figure out, you know, to convince them to buy your product or switch a product or things like that. What, 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 ha what have you seen in your experience in talking to companies? Sure. Um, yeah, we have a fair number of companies that went to work from home, like every single one of them. So I got to watch 250 plus companies go work from home. And I know the minute at which they did it. And I got to look at their before and after numbers day by day, hour by hour. Wow. So I've got a pretty good view of what what can happen working from home. What we noticed was it got a little easier to get a hold of people, but people thought it was harder to get a hold of people. So there was a bit of a self-limiting belief issue. And I think it was exacerbated by the fact that when people are lonely, when they're sitting there alone, they're trying to adapt to change, their self-limiting beliefs tend to come out. So management, I think, has a bigger role in working each day less on push, 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 sell, 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 and more on, hey, we're actually here with you and we're going to help you. Because that allows those self-limiting beliefs to kind of 
calm down and for people to realize, hey, it didn't actually get harder. It just got a little weirder. Yeah. So I think that's a big part of it. Um, secondly, email has been hammered into the ground as a outreach medium. It's just gotten bad. People sent so many emails in response to work from home, they had nothing else to do, send a million emails, right? And the million emails have been out there drowning each other out. And it's gotten really, really hard to get through on email. So volumes are up, open rates are down, response rates are down. And then the third thing I've noticed is for those who engage, when they reach out and talk to people, they're finding folks who want to have conversations because frankly, they're lonely. And they're looking for something to do that feels professional and being called, called by somebody and getting in conversation. I get to listen to their voices. And it's amazing the change in tone for the positive. When people are at the office, they're a little more gruff. When people mm -hmm. are at home, and almost all your buyers are at home now, they're a little, a little more accepting, a little softer and easier to have a conversation with. And so, you know, those are the big things. Um, the other thing I noticed is, that a lot of people thought this was gonna last for four weeks back in March of last year. Sure. Well, it didn't last for four weeks and it didn't last for six weeks. And guess what? It isn't COVID. COVID is completely unrelated to this work from home thing. Work from home was happening and then suddenly it happened everywhere. And the big companies are setting the pace. They basically said more than a million employees have been told already in the last year, you are never having to come back to the office. And what the big companies do on the talent management front, talent acquisition front, everybody has to follow because that's who you're competing with. Sure. So we're done with this other thing. It's kind of over. So it's like adapt or, uh, you know, don't. <laughs> yeah. I think I saw just a, a press release at salesforce.com was going to all remote sales as well. And did you tell me Microsoft was doing that as well? Had you heard that? Yeah, my fiance works for Microsoft and they way back in April of last year said something about choice being their principal on the very next day we bought a house in Port Townsend, Washington. <laughs> so we weren't looking at houses that morning. We decided to look at them that afternoon and uh, kind of went quick because we thought a lot of people are going to do this. There are business opportunities galore out there around this mass migration especially of senior executives away from headquarters. I mean, if you want to make a business that makes money, figure out how to take advantage of the biggest economic wave we've ever seen, which is senior executives bring in their big salaries to wherever it is they want to live, 15 years, 10 years, whatever, before their retirement. Yeah, right. Because, you know, the thing is, is that I know my friends that are in sales and they're they like the customers don't really want us to come out and meet with them if we've if we've been dealing with them they are happy to have those friendly conversations over the phone and if we are if they're new you know they're they know you know and this goes to something we talked about earlier which is you know the old sales cycle right and that's where you know you typically you're establishing rapport that's the trust factor but then you establish the need what is it that what's the problem that you're solving and then do you have a solution for it and the fundamentals of that really haven't changed just how you go about doing it that's that's changing yeah and i think that how actually the old how is kind of the new how which is you start with the human voice and you move on from there you know it's, people like to start with digital because it's cheap and it, it it's uh, easy to do you push a button send an email or whatever 
But the fact is you can't build trust with digital. You have to start with the human voice. Chris Voss, the author of Never Split the Difference, my sales hero, this guy, you know, he sold 20-year jail sentences to people, right? You go to jail for 20 years and release the hostage. That's a hard <laughs> product. And I asked him once, how long do we have to get trust in a cold call? And he just gave me this flat, hard look. And he said, seven seconds. Really? Really. I said, really? Exactly. You said what I said, really? And I said, a bit, uh, you know, uh, tongue in cheek. I said, really? Our research says eight seconds. And he says, your research <laughs> is wrong. It's seven seconds. <laughs> and I asked him, well, what do we have to do in those seven seconds? He says, oh, that's easy. All we have to do is show that other person we see the world through their eyes, tactical empathy. And then we have to demonstrate to them that we're competent to solve a problem they have right now. And I said, when we cold call somebody, aren't we the problem? I'm the problem, right? He says, bingo, offer to solve that problem. They'll trust you forever until you blow it. So don't blow it. So is solving the problem is buy my product so I don't have to call you again. Solving the problem <laughs> is listen to me and I'll go away. Because the problem is they want to get off the call and they want to have their self-image intact. So you've got to let them do both. And the way you do it is just say, can I have 27 seconds to tell you why I called? And they're going to go, sure, that's a good deal. It sounds really definite. 30 seconds, not so sure. It sounds kind of vague. 27, <laughs> you're being precise. You're going to be gone. I'm good with this, right? Oh, and you're going to solve my problem because my problem is you. Now, first, you have to throw yourself under the bus because you've got you to indict yourself before they indict you. You got to say, I know I'm an interruption, hard hammer. No, not like I realize I'm an interruption, but bang. And then switch your voice to playful curious and say, can I have 27 seconds to tell you why I called? And you will be shocked at how many people will say, sure, go ahead, shoot. Or no, you got 26 seconds or, <laughs> or whatever, right? So it's amazing, but that's not the purpose to get the 27 seconds. The purpose is already accomplished. You've just built a little trust and you can spend a tiny amount of that trust to get curiosity over the next 27 seconds. And that's, and that's as a, far as you can go. Yeah, that's such a better way than saying, uh, uh, I'm not interrupting you, or is this a good time, or any of those things that sales reps typically say. Exactly, we teach, this isn't our business, and, or wasn't, we're now teaching people how to talk on the phone. It only took us 14 years to figure out that we should <laughs> teach people to talk on the phone. <laughs> we're kind of slow, we're the slow guys. We're old and we're slow, that's the connect and sell thing. But we did finally figure out, hey, if you're gonna provide 10 times more conversations, don't just amplify suck. Let's actually teach people what to do that's gonna work, that has a shot. And yeah. so we've taken that up and we offer, we offer that now. And so, you know, within, um, so that's for like with the, the cold calling, would you do, you know, when you're establishing trust, I mean, so, you know, where do you think trust comes from in the sales cycle? You know, it, it does it and develops, like what are the layers of, of trust that gets developed for somebody to believe that what you say is going to work or do? Like I, I'll give it an example. I, of course, I call them but I just switched my internet, I think. And I have no trust that anything that they said is true. So, <laughs> Right. You know. Right. And your, your risk is pretty high too, because the internet's important to your business. Yeah. So, so as a business like, buyer, you're always cautious. 
Yeah. So, so. Yeah. So here's how it, 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 it go. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was, I just was going to say one of the things we do when we're working with companies that are raising their growth capital is we establish trust of the CEO through various mark, you know, pieces that you put out there that establishes their credibility and you hear them talk about their industry you know, and, and it, you gain a trust from knowledge of that person, like a familiarity of that person. Does it, is it similar when you're talking on the phone and it may not even have, you know, when you got visual eye contact, like on a digital like this, you know, you can respond and smile and things. When you're on the phone, how do, is it just an inflection of your voice or is it a certain number of calls that typically have to happen to start to get that trust? Do you have to ask about their family first? I mean, what is there a, a, a methodology there? Yeah, there is. So step one is you've got seven seconds. It's your voice and it's the words <laughs> you choose. And it's your voice and it's your voice because your voice speaks to the midbrain. Think of an email we'll have about, and this is a little computer science but you know I'm a physicist by background, so I get to say <laughs> these things, right? So there's about 5,000 bits of information in an email, if computer bits, so to speak, you know, ones and zeros. That's one quarter of one second of a human conversation. That is a seven second conversation is 28 emails. And you can't ever get somebody to read 28 emails. So no amount of digital that will be consumed can get to the equivalent of the seven seconds that you need to get somebody to trust you. So what's all that information? It's not the words, it's in the tone. Humans are geniuses about tone of voice. They can smell insincerity, so to speak, or hear insincerity, like we'll smell fear. And so you've got to actually believe that what you're offering is good for this person. You're offering a meeting where they can learn something. Harmless, probably great. So you have to start with your inner belief. That's the number one thing is you, you can't be gaming anybody. You can't be fooling anybody. You have to believe in what you're offering, not your product, but the value of the meeting. This is a huge mistake everybody okay. makes. They go product, 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 product. It's like, we're not ready for that yet. I compare it to bridling a horse. So when I was a little kid, we had horses out in the middle of the desert where we lived. And I was the youngest and therefore the smallest. And in my family, you were offered help that worked like this. Yeah, go get that done. Right? That was my mom's <laughs> idea of help. So I had to figure out how to do that. Well, at least they taught me how to do it. You hold a carrot, little one in each hand, fist down, and you hold them far enough apart that the poor horse has to make a decision, curiosity. You give it the carrot, you have one in both hands, you drop the other one. And while they're eating the carrot, you bring the bridle up. That is when you're approaching the horse, the horse is running away. When you're approaching the prospect, they want to run away. You've got to get them to come to you. And that's the meeting. So step one is get them to come to the meeting. How do you do that? Take your little bit of trust, turn it into curiosity, and let the curiosity get to the meeting, not anything else, not your product. So that's also make a promise, keep a promise. You promise to be done in 27 seconds, be done in 17. And yeah. don't break that promise. Because you, if you make a promise and keep a promise to somebody in the first half minute of your relationship, your odds of doing well with them in the future go way, way up. And then the next thing is in that meeting, don't blow it. Leave your product alone. You offered them perhaps three insights, one economic, one emotional, and one let's go somewhere together or where are you trying to go? We call it strategic. Stick to those. Stick to them. And first, let them speak with pride. Open your discovery meeting like something like this. Here's how I open mine. 
Hey, Karen, I'm always curious, where are you right now in the face of our blue whirling planet? And the reason I ask it like that is I want to have that image of us being together. And I want you to speak with pride about where you live. Because pride is the opposite emotion from wariness. When we're speaking with pride, we're coming out. So I want them to come out and say something about, about where they live, because they chose to live there, probably. Most people yeah. aren't in jail that I call. And then secondly, I ask them, you know, when your company is, is doing great, when your product or your offering is just spot on for that particular company and everything works, the budget's there, customer success folks are there, they do their part, you do your part. How does your product change that person's life? And again, that's not the old, what's your mission, blah, 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 blah. It's why are you doing this as an individual human being? Why are you spending your time working in this capacity? How do you change people's lives? It's kind of refreshing for somebody to ask you how you change someone's life. Again, they speak with pride, but they also tell you about their business. No one coerced anyone. We turned the hand over, the carrot was there, they're eating the carrot, now we can put the bridle on. So yeah. it's that kind of thing, step by step. I think people overreach, they go fast, and I think they do it, frankly, because for a simple reason, if they had more opportunities, they'd relax more. They yeah. don't have enough. Right. So they choke everyone. <laughs> well, that kind of leads into this idea that, I mean, I know as sales and, and um, you know, just in general, it's, you know, I think is that limiting factor that you talked about at the beginning. And um, people are afraid of the no or the rejection that they don't get through the sales call. And then like you have... Uh, have talked about, and this is getting into what Connect and Sell does, you know, it's that frustration of not reaching them. And how many times do I have to call and call a number before I get somebody on the phone? And then you're all, you know, and then I'm almost surprised when I get them on the phone because I actually got somebody on the phone and how do I lead into my script? Right. So you know, this productivity killer. And then there's a motivational challenge with the traditional customer telephone engagement. So let's talk about your tool because, you know, it's a, it's a venture back, uh, a connected sales, a venture back company that was, you know, was put in business because it solved this problem, right? It solved this problem for people that have outbound sales team and they want to raise the productivity. And I went to your website. There's a video on your website that, you know, really sort of describes this, you know, it's always a numbers game when you have a funnel, but you can increase your, your connections, then you can sell more, right? Yeah, it comes right down to this, I, as far as I can tell, and again, mathematical background here, so I apologize if people don't like the math, but the constraint on most, on most companies' growth, B2B companies especially, is they're just not talking to enough people. Because if they were talking to more people, they'd find more hits, but they'd also find more misses, right? You just find more of both. And that's the sense in which it's a numbers game is until you have a conversation with somebody, you don't really know their truth sufficiently for them to choose you or you to choose them. There's just no way to do it based on a bunch of data floating around in the world. There's not enough data to tell you this is a bad person to talk to, a bad company. I have an example. There's a company we do business with. Uh, called Blue Flame Minerals. And it, it, it was just one guy calling ranchers in order to buy their mineral rights. 
incredible thing. I don't know anything about it. I don't think most people in my company would have done anything with him, but he's a fabulous guy. We just tried it. And you know what? He had a bunch of conversations, made so much happen that he had to kind of slow down to go raise some money to go get, get the, you know, the, the dry powder to go buy those rights. He wouldn't have known without talking to all of those ranchers that some of them want to buy, some don't. They don't put a sign up that says selling my mineral rights today, right? So you got to have conversations. And what we do at Connect and Sell is we let anybody, sales rep usually, push a button, have a conversation with somebody on their list. I'm looking at my team right now. Their average today was four minutes and 30 seconds between pushing the button and talking to somebody. They've talked to 205 people today, a little team of 12. They've set 14 meetings and uh, 98 follow-ups and 11 referrals to the right person, but they didn't dial the phone once. They didn't navigate one phone system. They never talked to a gatekeeper. They never went to voicemail. They just pushed the button and talked to somebody. And while they were waiting, they can have a cup of coffee. They can do their email. They can pet their dog, whatever it is that keeps them sane and happy at home. Yeah. So, you know, I wanted to, you know, you think about the evolution of telephone technology, you know, on the digital side, right? We start, you know, you had IP phones, right? That you kind of started with, and then we had, you know, auto dial or uh, caller ID. And you've had this sort of evolution of technology where it provides more information. And so your your company has software that looks, it sounds like it it layers on top of whatever other technology they're using to manage their sales processes and takes advantage of the inherent tech inside phones these days to provide this productivity tool, not only for the sales rep, but also for the management team to be able to, to see what the outcomes on what you just described as your dashboard. So it's a, it's built upon, you know, the, the, the ability of what was out there to bring this together for the benefit of, of companies to reach their sales objectives. Yeah, the big enabling technology for us was voice over IP because we can dial a lot of servers. And that enables us to do centralized dialing that's coordinated to the millisecond. So that means we can dial in parallel, which is fast, but you can't legally dial in parallel unless you have humans in the loop. So we have humans in the loop who navigate those dials, not quite 500 of them. And you never see them. They don't talk to your target. They, they don't feel like they're involved, but they really are. They're navigating those phone calls so you don't have to do it. And they're oh. doing it fast and they're doing it five, six, seven at a time. So it's basically, you know, just basically I've taken all the wasted labor, all the time that you would spend dialing, navigating phone calls, talking to gatekeepers and going to voicemail. And the, the big disenabling technology, the problem we solve actually is voicemail. Back in the early 2000s, voicemail became ubiquitous. And with voicemail and caller ID, decision makers started just looking at their phone and going, no, and letting it go to voicemail. So if they do that, you don't get to have a conversation with them because you can't build trust in a voicemail. So that was the problem. And that's the problem we solve. Right now, today, if I look at just my little team today, it's taking 24.86 dials on average with navigation of a phone system to get a, a conversation. So if they'd had to do this by hand, they'd be dialing, press one for this, press two for this, do a dial by name directory, maybe talk to a gatekeeper, go to voicemail. It's frustrating and wasteful. So it's a real person working on the, in the back end to connect the call and then transfer it to the sales rep. 
Did I understand? Yes, that right? and never and yes, and never speak to the target. So if I were on your list, I would answer, "This is Chris," and the next thing I would hear would be, "Karen here, from Compassionate Capitals." I know I'm an interruption, Chris. Can I have 27 seconds to tell you why I called, or whatever you want to say? So I don't hear anybody. There's no delay. There's no weirdness from me receiving the call. It's a normal phone call. I was once in a board meeting at Connect and Sell. I'm presenting to my board of directors and I get a call and the call's from 480, Arizona. Well, my dad had just died two weeks before and my sister and I are handling his estate. And I was not gonna let her take any call that had to do with that because that's my job. She was handling all the logistics and all that stuff. I'm handling anything about you know banks and lawyers and whatever. And so I took the call. Guess who it was? One of my customers using Connect and Sell trying to sell me their service. They got me <laughs> using my own technology. Wow, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. So, um, I said, so you know, I want to bring it back to our listeners and say, you know, this is important to understand that, you know, you may find that somebody's using something like Salesforce.com for their customer relationship management, but the bottleneck you know, that process, the, the, the struggle that they have in the obstacle of sales is this thing of getting the person on the phone. And so, you know, it's really important to understand your whole sales process so you can eliminate wherever that bottleneck is. If it's, um, you know, the, the reason why you have CRMs is for capturing the, the conversations and you can remember the next time. So you sound like that's my only customer and you know exactly what it is. And there's a consistency of, of different people that may talk to them over a period of time. In this case, it's really, I think it's fascinating when I heard that you had that about this technology, I was like, well, yeah, that's a, a, I know what that problem is. And I hate getting those. As soon as I get a phone, if I don't recognize the number because I have screeners, occasionally I'll go ahead and pick up because I think it's like a local number or something, or I'm in the midst of, I expect to receive calls that I don't recognize the number because it's not on my phone. And if there's any kind of delay, I hang up. So it's really great to yep. hear that that's not what you do. And I know from looking at your website, you have big customers like IBM and Trinet that are using this to help them solve their problems as well. So you're prove, it's a proven solution. Yeah, we, we do. Yeah, big, and some of them are telephone companies like Ring Central. So Ring uh, Central, yeah. people are often thinking, they, they say, oh, I got Ring Central. I don't need Connect and Sell. And I say, that's interesting because Ring Central uses Connect and Sell. That's how they dominate their market. So I want to remind everybody that the website is Connect and Sell. So C-O-N-N-E-C-T-A-N-D-S-E-L-L.com. And our guest again is Chris Beal. He's the CEO. And it's this tool that increases the productivity of sales reps at sell by phone. And so as we, you know, go enter into our wrap up, anything that, um, I forgot to ask you, or you were hoping to be able to offer up? I know you guys have a, a free ebook on, you know, uh, improving uh, you know, home-based sales or people working from home in the sales thing and an explainer video on your, your website. Anything else you'd like to add, Chris? Well, we do a free, free test drive and companies have made millions of dollars during that three, four hour test drive. So- uh, Wow. Go out and check out, uh, yeah, check out episode 54 of a podcast called Cloud and Clear 
by Tony Safoya, and he's the CEO of SADA. I asked him as his guest, didn't you make some money on our test drive? And he and his VP laughed. And one of them finally said, Chris, we made tens of millions of dollars of pipeline on that test drive. And that was only part of one day. The test drive might not yield like that for you. You never know. But anybody who wants to take one, just come to the website, pop in the form, and you know, you'll get to take a test drive. It's a full day of production. And it's wild. As big a team as you want. I've done them with 100 people. And it's, uh, it's quite an experience. That is, sounds exciting. I wish I had a sales team to try it out myself. <laughs> hey, you're enough of a sales team, Karen. <laughs> so very good. Okay. So thank you, Chris, for coming on and sharing your insights about, you know, the whole sales process and this new normal and, and for people to overcome this fear of calling or the fear of rejection in calling because they have a tool that makes it easier to do to, to connect with their target customer and their existing customers. And um, I'm so happy to hear about the tool and, uh, and the benefit that it's given the comp- companies out there as they navigate this new normal. Well, we always say conversations matter and this one sure did for me, thanks. Thank you and everyone, thank you for listening in. Uh, please subscribe and uh, stick around for my closing message. And please visit karenrands.co for more information and onwards and upwards. Thank you for listening to the Compassionate Capitalist Podcast Radio, where we encourage individual investment in entrepreneurs to create generational wealth and best practices for small businesses to succeed. Help us spread the word about compassionate capitalism by sharing this podcast with your friends and colleagues. The Compassionate Capitalist Podcast is available on most podcast platforms, including iTunes, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and many more. In production for over 10 years, there are over 180 episodes available for your listening and educational pleasure. With over 130,000 downloads, this podcast is rapidly becoming the top podcast for investors and entrepreneurs to get the information they need to create generational wealth through entrepreneurism. This podcast is brought to you by the Business Power Tools, which offers an online collaborative environment for leadership teams to prepare business plans, marketing strategies, financial modeling needed to attract capital and scale a business. Also, Lindio as a entrepreneur's resource portal providing access to dozens of lenders offering short-term and long-term debt to help business owners manage their financial cash flow and growth capital needs. BizX, creating affordable advertising resources and other tools for entrepreneurs to succeed and create awareness and trust with their customer base. And Launch Funding Network, part of Cougarand Capital Holdings. It's a network of hundreds of angel investors, investor clubs and networks, venture capital firms, private equity funds, family offices, investment bankers, and lenders. Please visit karenrands.co to learn more about the Launch Funding Network and our sponsors and to sign up to get our Compassionate Capitalist Coffee Break and learn more about how we can help you succeed.